Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. As those are able to please stand for our first lesson, it comes from Isaiah 12, beginning in verse 2. Listen now to the Word of God. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might, and He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, and make known His deeds among the nations. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit, that we may join together in hearing these words. May we hear what God shares with us this day. The Scripture comes from Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the second verse. I urge you, Adida, and I urge Syndicate, to be of the same mind of the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty." In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and going hungry, of having plenty and being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. 
A little over a year ago, there was a happy phenomenon going on in our country and around the world. You know it? You remember the song Happy by Pharrell? Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. It was a wonderful, catchy, upbeat, great song. And it was made into any number of videos. You may have seen it out there somewhere. I saw church groups doing it and town employees doing it and work uh, teams using that as the soundtrack and setting it all up. And it was, it was fun seeing people strutting down the street, happy, happy, happy. Happy. Powerful stuff. Some of you who are maybe a little older may remember there was a song about being happy a few years ago called Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. Both of these songs, I think, speak to something that's very wonderful and and powerful in life. They both speak to a, a need for joy, for goodness, for reveling, for lifting up the things in the world that need to be lifted up, for celebrating. And all too often, it doesn't seem that we do that very often, but it is. I think that Paul would like these songs. Yes, Paul, as in the Bible, that Paul, the Paul who wrote the letter to the Philippians, that Paul. I think Paul would be thrilled with these songs. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul used the word rejoice 17 times in just a little more than four pages. And in the verses that I shared with you just a minute ago, he used the word three times. Rejoice, be glad, revel, lift up what is good. Did you hear it in the reading? Do not worry about anything. Some translations say, don't be anxious. But that's Scripture, and and it has this echo of something else you may have heard. Maybe that Jesus said? Yes. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. But I don't think Paul, or Jesus for that matter, were emphasizing feeling good for the sake of feeling good. No, I, I think that Paul knew that joy comes not from feeling, but joy and rejoicing comes from relationships. Philippi was the first place that Paul preached in Europe. It was the cutting edge of his crossing over to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a new world. It was a place where this had not been heard before. And when Paul got to Philippi, one of the first things that happened to him in his preaching was he confronted some people about their business practices 
and he was thrown in jail. And the church rallied around him, and the community welcomed him, and he engaged with them. And then this church continued its relationship with Paul. Over time, they stayed connected. And when you read the letter to the Philippians, you have this overwhelming sense of Paul's affection for this congregation, for this group of believers that's there. When he was in prison later on, the church sent word to him, and they raised money to help support him and his efforts. Paul had a deep and abiding love for the church in Philippi. That relationship, that, that relationship of love and, and abiding trust and faith was formed in a crucible that was very hard. It was difficult. It had challenges. And yet, what emerged was something that was strong and good, something to celebrate and to be happy about. Paul knows that the church in Philippi had gone through a particularly tough patch. There was some sort of conflict that's there. And in fact, in verse 2 of chapter 4, he calls out a couple of folks who have been involved in that conflict. Uadiah and Syntyche had had an argument. We don't know what it was about, but it was significant enough to get mentioned in the letter. Imagine, can you imagine a church where people have disagreements that create conflict and relationships are broken because of them? Just saying. Paul's word to these two women and to the whole church was this, be of the same mind. In the message version, it reads, God doesn't want His children holding grudges. And in the Living Bible paraphrase, it's rendered, please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more, be friends again. How do you think Uadiah and Syntyche felt or thought when they heard about this letter from Paul? What would they have said? Maybe Uadiah would say, you know, Syntyche, you really offended me when you got up and left in the middle of that meeting. Or Syntyche would say, Uadiah, those comments that you made to our friends, that was just vicious gossip. Maybe one or maybe both would say, I know I did some things that weren't so good in this conflict. We don't know. We don't know. But maybe, maybe. Or maybe things had just gotten to the point where they weren't talking to each other at all. Paul suggests, not directly, but in terms of how you act in that situation. But, but he suggests in, in the larger scope of things in these verses that the answers may be found by offering prayers with supplication and thanksgiving. It seems so simple when someone else says it from far away. Oh, just go and pray about it. 
maybe you have been in a place where you might join Uadiah and Syntyche in saying, oh, Paul, that sounds so good to go and pray. Yes, yes, we want to be friends again, but we don't know how. Hard things were said and done. You say to pray about it, but, but what happens if the prayers don't come? What happens when we've become just spiritually constipated? What do we do? Prayer. Pray. Pray, 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 Paul said. But Paul didn't say just pray. He said pray with attitude. Pray with supplication and thanksgiving. Supplication is that that attitude of humility. It acknowledges that we are not in control, but we also pray with thanksgiving when we offer our thanks and we express our gratitude. Thanksgiving is that form of appreciation, an acknowledgement that grace itself has been received. Pray. Pray with attitude. Paul suggests that we offer these prayers in humility. We acknowledge that we are not in control, and we accept the grace that God offers to us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, lest anyone should boast. It is not of our own doing. It is God at work in us. So, we offer our words, our prayers. We think of prayers as words, and prayers do include words, but prayer can also be other things as well. St. Augustine said that when you sing, you pray twice. You use words in song, certainly you do, but you also use your body, you use your breath and your voice, you lift it up and out and you share it when you sing. I've been told by people who garden that when you garden, when you are down tending to the plants and the soil, it is as if you are praying. In many cases, you are kneeling or you're focusing your attention close in on the creation that God has given, and you sense God's presence there. Words are one tool, but so are song and breath. In Romans 8, Paul put it this way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, the one who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. And because the Spirit intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. Words, songs, actions, sighs, all are part of the prayers of life. 
So Paul concludes this section to the church in Philippi. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever. Whatever. In in the current use of the word whatever, you may have encountered it as a slang phrase, meaning something like, I really don't care what you think. It can be used to dismiss or ignore. You get to a certain point in a conversation and you realize it's not going anywhere, and instead of trying to find some way to continue the relationship, you just say, whatever. Won't ask for a show of hands. But in one way or another, many of us probably have done that. If not with that interrogatory, then some other form. Whatever. I'm just going to go on. I'm going to ignore you. I'm just going to not pay attention to you. Maybe Eudaya and Syndicate had gotten to that point in their relationship. I found it interesting when I was looking around online at one of those list of annoying phrases. Whatever has made that list for like the last eight years. It's very annoying. But that's not what Paul meant when he uses whatever. And we need to resist the temptation to ignore or to to dismiss. The matter is a matter of focus. Instead of ignoring when Paul says whatever, he is calling us to greater clarity and greater focus. Another translation put it this way. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on those things that are true and noble and reputable and authentic, compelling and gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. (coughs) Advent is a time of preparation. It's a time for us to think about what is good and delightful. The Lord is made flesh in the birth of Jesus. Our Catholic brothers and sisters have a particular form of prayer called the Novena. It's a nine-day cycle of prayer. And this practice was developed in Spain in the Middle Ages in preparation for, wait for it, Christmas. We pray to get ready for Christmas, to celebrate the birth that is there. This following Jesus stuff is hard, and it exposes us to some difficult things, some challenges as we try to become more precise about what it is that we believe and say what it is that where we are, oftentimes we find ourselves in conflict, even in conflict with people to whom we are closely related. 
as we think about this this year and we move toward Christmas in these last couple of weeks of the Advent season, let us recall the words of Paul. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Let us find those ways to be happy and lift up our hearts. Let us give thanks so that our worries are covered as we see God's grace at work in the world. Let us focus on what is good so that we may be called to be even better than we are. May we see that in our connections to God in Christ and with each other, we have a place to serve, to be God's people together. Pray with attitude. Be happy. Whatever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for sharing in your fullness words of hope, calling to things that can be better. Show us the way as we offer our prayers and supplications with thanksgiving to acknowledge that you are the one whom we trust. We pray in Christ's name, amen.